0: This is need to know. Real talk about the reality of unidentified aerial phenomena. From Australia, Ross Coltart. From the US, Bryce Zabel. Well, I guess we're going to be talking about anniversaries today. I mean, it's been around a month since that October 31st report on UAP was supposed to come out, and we're still waiting. But more than that, it's been almost five years since that classic New York Times reporting sort of ushered in a new age of UAP. I mean, happy anniversary, Ross.
1: Nice to have it. It's one hell of an anniversary, Bryce. Frankly, I don't know what to say. I am being besieged with people demanding to know what I know about why there's been this delay in the Congress. And look, my best spin on it, mate, is that, frankly, the uh, office that's supposedly meant to be doing this report is so chronically under resourced, understaffed under focused on by the pentagon that it hasn't been able to get the report completed on time people are telling me there will eventually be a report but they're saying don't get too worked up about it this isn't unusual in the in the washington dc scheme of events but but frankly i'll i'll be honest with you mate it it doesn't send a very good message I'm not, what it indicates I'm not to me at all
0: i, I, I got to tell you i'm not happy i'm i'm not willing to cut that slack i mean if you recall there were supposed to be and we'll be talking about this more later but there was a report that was due on june 25th 2021 and it came out on june 25th 2021 this one i was saying well if it comes out on october 31st that'll be you know eight days before the election i thought it would be even a, a part of the election instead it's just gone away and there's no accountability i mean people aren't you know, raising their voices and and being upset about this thing. And that, I think, is a little strange uh, to have something this important and not have any follow-up. I mean, I I think about, okay, there's uh, uh, senators that have been involved, uh, Rubio and Gillibrand, for example. Why aren't they saying anything? Why haven't they called a news conference?
1: That's what worries me, mate, because at the moment, I mean, I'm talking to people I know my friend Leslie Keane's talking to people. There are people all over America who are debating whether or not they should come forward as whistleblowers to talk about what they know. And what they want to hear most of all is a statement of political will from the from the Congress. They know that there is legislation in place, the Gillibrand Amendment that was put in place in the National Defense Authorization Act last year. And they know that there are more provisions, hopefully, coming from the House later this year, hopefully when the NDAA and the Intelligence Authorization Act are passed by both Houses of Congress. But what they're looking for most of all is a statement of clear intent from the people who have championed this so publicly and mate it ain't happening we're not I mean the thing I find most conspicuous is that despite the fact that a report is late by one month to the Congress there's not been a peep from any of the chairpersons or the deputy chairpersons of any of the congressional committees it's like nobody gives a hoot
0: or they they do give a hoot and because of that they're not talking I don't know it just is irritating because what we are asking for is pretty simple okay a report is out due out on october 31st it doesn't show up so you ought to be able to get a straight answer and if the straight answer was something as simple as yeah we we were under-resourced we're working on it now we expect to have it out on you know uh, december 15th instead that would at least be an answer. It would have some, something behind it. We don't get that. And it's the same issue, I got to tell you, that bothers me over and over about the whole UAP UFO issue, which is I'm not necessarily expecting the government or anyone else to say, oh, by the way, here's a briefing. Here's exactly what's been going on for the last 80 years or so. But I wouldn't mind if the people in the know could simply put out a declarative statement that says, yeah, these things aren't ours. We're not alone. That would be just a great start. So the whole issue of UFO, UAP, disclosure or investigation or whatever we want to call it has been plagued by this sense that if we don't talk about it, if we just ignore it, then it'll go away. But I think what you and I have been doing for 25 podcasts now, by the way, happy anniversary for our 25th podcast too, is... Um, What we've been doing is saying, uh, you know, if you're not going to talk about it, we're going to talk about it. So I guess we have to talk about it. We have to explain what's going on.
1: And also the only thing that has appeared in mainstream media, and it's coming up for an anniversary on that story now, is Julian Barnes' apologia for the Pentagon where he wrote in the New York Times how many military UFO reports are just foreign spying or airborne trash. And that was the story that I think set the scene for the growing despondency that we're seeing at the moment, where people are questioning whether or not there really is a serious commitment by the Pentagon. I mean, it was a shameful story. It was just a, a complete joke. It was a classic piece of... Um, quiet little briefing in a quiet room to a reporter who was obviously trusted to do the right thing and and peddle out the usual lines there was not one questioning moment in the article which really put them on the spot basically American officials supposedly familiar with the findings of the Pentagon and and intelligence agencies investigations of these incidents reassuringly stated, don't you worry your tiny little heads, you little folk out there, us great and illustrious Pentagon, we're going to tell you how most of this stuff is just weather balloons, airborne clutter or surveillance operations by other countries. Don't you worry yourself, all's fine. And I, I guess what that's Story did was set the scene for the impression that what we're seeing is a pushback, a hose down. And I am being impressed upon privately by people who are passionately committed to the whistleblower disclosures before Congress. I'm being told I'm too negative and that what we're seeing uh, happening is not a reflection of what's actually happening. That behind the scenes, there are already people giving evidence to Congress. But the big question in my mind is Congress might get to hear about it. Some of the provisions in the um, in the legislation allow even the individual chairperson of the various committees to be briefed about it. But will the public get to know about it? That's the big question
0: i'm sorry i am not appeased i'm just not um because the 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 things that you're telling me that people are willing to speak to you about behind the scenes i'm experiencing the same thing myself i'm saying these are not huge revelations it ought not to be a problem to say uh, we're having, uh, behind the scene, we're having closed door meetings on it and we're, we're talking to whistleblowers. Okay. Well, okay. That's not briefing you on the, the actual content. It's just acknowledging where we stand in the process. If, if the people in Washington cannot tell us where we stand in the process, I am not amused. Now, uh, you were talking about how people have talked to you. I'm going to read something from, a, an email I got from someone who knows things okay i'm not going to tell you who it is because they've asked me not to but i hear from that person the process is on track and moving ahead smartly so that's basically what you're saying we're being reassured you know don't worry behind the scenes we got this handled and again you know i'm not amused the person then said perhaps we're moving faster than the rate at which collective conscious can process and internalize emerging facts and data Well, that that probably is is true. I'd have to probably explain that. But they say the great majority seem to love the UAP issue as a theoretical proposition and flock to alien and sci-fi movies. But the prospect of confronting the reality of another complex and potentially destabilizing existential issue and on and on, they're saying that's the, the reason it's just too big an issue. Well, for crying out loud, Ross... It's been too big an issue since at least 1947 at some point we have to say I've run out of patience and and again I don't want to be that look I you know, I don't want the government knocking on my door to shut me up from, you know, being a activist firebrand or anything. I'm not actively campaigning for anybody to say things they're not supposed to say that would violate national security. But I am actively campaigning that at least let's have we started out with, with what looked like a transparent process. And if this pushback means we're trying to put it back in the box, all I can tell you is from my perspective it won't wash. Not only will you and I, I think not we should accepted, call
1: this I think, I think will. we should call this the I'm as mad as hell and I'm not going to take this anymore episode. What do you reckon?
0: I like it. <laughs> you know, I'd be happy to throw my window open and yell that except I live about 100 yards from my next neighbor so I don't even think they'd hear me. Uh, but but I think we are mad as hell, but we're not mad as hell about everything. We're just mad that the process that we're pursuing needs to be one that is transparent and is discussed and and hopefully gets the mainstream media to start covering this like a real national security issue, which at minimum it is. And uh, that is something that has not happened yet. And uh, again, when we when we talk about what's happened in the last five years, that's one of the stories behind it.
1: Well, as you know, Bryce, I've given up having any faith in the mainstream media's ability to even take an interest in this subject. You are the mainstream media. How can you give up? And I've I've, I've basically decided that the only reason why shows like us are so important is because we're filling a gap. I mean, I know it sounds pompous and self-important, but we really are. We're filling a gap in what should be objective analytical coverage of the news of uaps this is potentially the biggest story ever right, frankly that's is. what i think i mean I, let, let's just i i think what we could usefully do today uh seeing it's the anniversary of right. what i think is a momentous moment the october yeah. 20 sorry december 2017 um, Uh, story of the New York Times, where essentially it was essentially admitted that the Pentagon had been secretly investigating UFOs. Maybe we should take stock. Maybe it's time for us to take stock and consider what has been achieved in the last five years, because I think it's very easy for us to look now and get despondent about the fact that the Pentagon's perhaps not responding as quickly as we would like with the report that it's obliged to provide to Congress. But really, if you look back at five years ago, when I first, to be honest, started getting very interested in this subject matter Mm -hmm. as a reporter for Australia's 60 Minutes, and I saw the New York Times December uh, 2017 story, That was a momentous moment for many people, including myself, all over the world, not just in America. It was a moment where I realized that the official narrative is not the correct one, that we're not being given the full story. And indeed, even before that date, in October of 2017, there was an organization launched called To The Stars, Academy, which basically put Jim Simivan, ex-CIA, Hal Putoff, ex-just about every three-letter agency, Steve Justice, ex-Lockheed Martin Skunk Works, Chris Mellon, ex-Defense Department, and Lou Lou Elizondo, uh, uh, ex-ODNI, National Intelligence. It was an incredible moment to see those people on stage talking about their willingness to discuss something that has been so ridiculed and so stigmatized for much of the last seven decades.
0: Well, you know ross all of that is very true and uh, just for the record it was december 17th of 2017 when the new york times front page article appeared and it was quite a radical thing now i don't know if that's going to stand up as a day that lives on like the jfk assassination or 9-11 i think uh the, the it, it's doubtful um but it was an important time and and we all have uh, those memories where we say, I remember what I was doing when I heard about that. Uh, And that's usually what is a sign that we're dealing with something. Now, Ross, I've got an uh, actual story about how I learned about this on 2017. But before I tell it, I wanna know, how did you first tip to this story? When did you first lay eyes on that, that, that article?
1: i got told about it by people in the u.s who basically said to me you know you need to look at this story it's amazing and they were some of the people that i'd been meeting who were pentagon people who who told ah. me privately that i should be taking this seriously and i think they knew it was coming basically uh, as soon as i clicked onto that website and saw glowing auras and black money the pentagon's mysterious ufo program Leslie Kane, Ralph Blumenthal, Helene Cooper, I knew the world was about to be tipped upside down to see an admission in black and white on the front page of the New York Times that the Pentagon had secretly been investigating UFOs and indeed paranormal phenomena at Skinwalker Ranch through a program that they said was called ATIP, but was actually ORSAP, A-A-W-S-A-P. That was an amazing moment. And it actually dropped in terms of what it actually dropped. It wasn't a huge story. I mean, merely the fact that the Pentagon was investigating UFOs was was the revelation. But there were so many little nuggets in that story that later bore fruit. The the fact Mm. that it mentioned Bob Bigelow, uh, who'd previously only very recently at that time told 60 Minutes in the US that he was convinced that aliens were real. And it was also back then very important that it mentioned James Lukatsky, a DIA official. It didn't name him by name, but it talked about a DIA official who'd gone to the Skinwalker Ranch to investigate phenomena. And he'd, he'd done this by going through Harry Reid, Senator Harry Reid. And and significantly, I think now, in light of what we're seeing with NASA's investigation into UFOs, it also mentioned how astronaut John Glenn had told Senator Harry Reid that he thought that there should be investigations into UAPs, particularly interviewing pilots who'd seen objects. And we now know, five years on, that's happening. And I think what's significant is that that New York Times story was the beginning of five years of rolling revelations and truly i actually want to pay tribute here i i think we should acknowledge the incredible work that's been done by people like chris mellon um Hal, uh, uh, Hal Putoff, put off lou elizondo eric davis all these people behind the scenes who've been gently pushing and doing a lot more work, particularly Mellon behind the scenes to actually get the Congress to be receptive to something that was so stigmatized and so ridiculed. I think we've achieved a lot in five years.
0: Well, um, I agree. And you just blew past 50% of my notes, my friend. So uh, (laughs) I was still waiting for Ross to say, gee, Bryce, why don't you tell us your story about what happened and how you learned about it? So I'll just wait. Oh, okay. Gee, Bryce, why don't you tell me your story about what you learned? Clearly, you've got a good story. Oh, my God, Rust, I'm so taken aback that you would ask. (laughs) Stay with us. We're back in a moment because you need to know... On December 17th of 2017, I literally was on vacation in New Orleans. Um, I was doing research at the uh, World War II Museum there, a beautiful and and substantial museum on the topic. Um, And I was doing research and I came out of uh, the film that Tom Hanks narrated, I believe, and my phone said, you have a phone message, uh, a voice message. So I played it. And uh, this is how I found out. It was a message from Dan Aykroyd. Of course, the actor who is also well-known in UFO circles, and he and I had been talking about uh, the Betty and Barney Hill movie that, um, that I'm still trying to get produced. And uh, this is the message he left. I'm not going to read all of it, but this is part of it. He goes, ah, yeah, front page, December 17th, New York Times, real UFOs, Pentagon unit, tried to know. Ralph Blumenthal wrote it. He wrote that great piece in Vanity Fair about Betty and Barney. Do you know Ralph? He's great. Just great. You should get to know him if you don't. Love seeing the idea of captured. Don't know why Spielberg wouldn't want to produce that big time. If you've got the rights, you're very wise there. And then he ends by going, he says, it's Ackroyd here, of course, which of course I knew because I know the guy's uh, voice. And I loved him talking about he wants to be in a movie that I want to do. But this is how he ended. He goes, but here we are. December 17th, 2017. It's uh, just wait what's coming, man. Just wait what's coming to this planet. Boy. All right. Have fun, sir. Talk to you soon. And next time we see each other again, I'll tell you about the car they made disappear in front of me. So,
1: <laughs> <laughs> Did he that- ever tell you about the car that disappeared in front of you?
0: i have heard that story uh i i wouldn't presume to tell it but because uh, it was a first person experience of his. but anyway so of course the first thing i did is say to my family okay you guys go look at the damn museum i've got to sit down and and uh, read an article so i sat down at the world war ii museum in new orleans and read that article and i will say this i felt like as i read it well we're never gonna see the world the same way. Now, I don't wanna pick up on one thing you said though. You said that that was almost the trigger for you saying, I'm gonna pay attention to this, which led to your fantastic book, In Plain Sight, that came out last year. For me, it was a different experience. I'd been st- stuck in UFO world um, for almost three decades, uh, two and a half decades, I think at that point. So for me, I had given up, if you will, on the, the, the thought that people would sort of start with a period of transparency and we might actually get to the place where we are going to be honest uh, with ourselves about this thing. Because I'd lived through my entire life where you, you hoped something would break, but nothing ever did, right? So when I read that, it was transformative for one reason. None of us are getting any younger and that applies to me. And when I read it, I was giving up on the opportunity or the chance that I might see some form of admission, confirmation, disclosure in my own lifetime. And what it did for me is it gave me hope to pursue this in a more aggressive way, such as the podcast we're doing, because I thought, you know what? This might just now happen in my lifetime. And I, I believe that is absolutely true. So yeah, it was a game changer for me, for you, for different reasons, and I'm sure, uh, just like if you went through the JFK assassination and asked people, where were you, if you were even alive, of course, uh, everybody has a different story. And I'm sure a lot of the people listening to us have their own stories. So yeah, big, big day. And and just as a point of, uh, uh, you know, to, to lay the clarity out on this thing, the the meeting, the press conference you were talking about with Tom DeLong and all those that list of great people that you mentioned uh, from the To the Stars Academy, that preceded the New York Times article. It did. That's where it we did. first got the glimmer. We when we I remember seeing that and going, well, I don't know if this is going. I, it was interesting to listen to, but I thought, what's Tom DeLong gonna do? You know, I don't know how he got these guys to appear with him, but hopefully.
1: So I had said that it was a December 2017 New York Times story that twigged my interest. But to be honest with you, when I was working for 60 Minutes Australia, I'd already been talking to people in Washington and sounding out the idea of me writing a book on UAPs, UFOs. And my interest had been drawn to Tom DeLong's conversations with Alejandro Rojas, right through 2015, 2016. And then I saw the foundation press conference of TTSA, the To The Stars Academy in October of 2017, which was a few months prior, of course, to the um, New York Times story. And that I thought was An incredibly important moment because you had on stage Elizondo, a former counterintelligence agent for ODNI, Chris Mellon, a former Deputy Assistant Secretary of Defense, um, Jim Semivan from the CIA, Steve Justice from Lockheed Martin. It was extraordinary. And the promise, of course, was intense. I think it's also what came out in that period following the New York Times story that really got me going, because not only did you have Lua Elizondo protesting in the New York Times and also uh, in his TTSA interviews about the excessive secrecy and ridicule and stigma associated with UFOs, UAPs. He also made that extraordinary statement on CNN that I think will be regarded in the future as one of the great moments in history where Elizondo leans forward to the mic and tells CNN's reporter, my personal belief is that there is very compelling evidence that we we may not be alone, whatever that means. I think I think that is the boom moment that was when I sort of went holy heck and it was interesting because it was around about then I put a bid in from Australia's 60 Minutes program to get Chris Mellon and I approached him and he very kindly agreed to an interview and this is a reflection of the media stigma my TV program at the time Channel Channel 9's 60 Minutes it said yep yep we'll let you do the interview with Chris Mellon and uh, I was booked on a flight to Washington I think in January the following year and then all of a sudden my executive producer pulled the pin citing their concern about the ridicule and the stigma associated with UFOs which I thought was very telling that that even when you had a front page story in the New York Times basically saying look you know UFOs are real they're being investigated by the Pentagon You've got a former um, Deputy Assistant Secretary of Defense who's basically prepared to talk to you about it. And uh, I'd lined up the interview. And the great frustration for me as a mainstream reporter was that the pin was pulled. And I realized, I think at that point, that the only way that we can cover this issue is by acknowledging that the mainstream media is hamstrung. It's it's so hampered by this stigma, this ridicule, that that's why shows like ours matter.
0: Yeah. You know, I just want to point out one thing, though, when you're talking about the boom moment, uh, when Elizondo said, uh, we may not be alone, it was a boom moment for you hearing Elizondo say it, but he wasn't saying it in that widespread uh, way that a New York Times front page article was, which was, you know, sort of the boom moment for the average person if they were waking up to it. Need to Know continues in a moment. if we're going to talk about the five-year anniversary of this New York Times article and how things have changed, I think that's a two-part discussion, uh, Ross, and, and part one is I think we should tell people what the world was like prior to that and then talk about some of the things that ha- have happened in the world after that. So let me take a, a, a crack at UFO history prior to 2017. For Now some most of you already know this, not everyone does. The thing really broke open in the United States over 75 years ago in 1947, in the summer of 1947. There was a sighting by a pilot, uh, Kenneth Arnold, in Washington State that got the whole world buzzing. Uh, Roswell happened in that same summer in July and was announced in a newspaper and then retracted the day later. Which took us into a period in the 40s and the 50s where the government was taking UFOs very, very seriously. They were and crucially Roswell.
1: Them. Just to explain to right. the, the novice, yeah. Roswell was ostensibly, even though this is furiously denied by the U.S. Air Force, it was ostensibly the crash, believe it or not, of an alien spacecraft, uh, absolutely. which of course is absolutely. something that is adamantly rejected by the US Air Force even to this day even though they've given four completely contradictory explanations for what they said actually was
0: so you know and we've even done a show on Roswell which I encourage people to listen to uh, and and you know I, I think Roswell was uh, I think the government made a mistake, you know accidentally told the truth uh, when they when they allowed that uh, article to come out on the front page of the Roswell daily record so anyway what what happened though is uh, the world of UFOs and the national security establishment kind of intermixed in the forties and fifties when the government was furiously looking into this And at the same time, taking a posture in public that there was nothing to see here. And frankly, going out of their way to make sure that people who did talk about flying saucers were marginalized. Uh, And in fact, as you point out, it created the stigma. So we went into the sixties and seventies where the people who were studying it were, were frankly appalled at what was, they thought it looked like was really happening and yet nobody was really talking about it. When they did talk about it, they made it seem like the uh, something that you should joke about. And yet there are case after cases going on in the sixties and seventies, including some fantastic cases where they overflew, uh, nuclear weapons installations and turned off some missiles. So I think that's the thing. Like that, I think that's the thing that
1: sticks out to me. The, the thing that sticks out to me is that the, the disconnect between the historical record, what we now know, courtesy largely of President Clinton, the declassification of a lot of the CIA and Defense Department files, which show that whilst they were ridiculing and stigmatizing this subject all through the late 50s, 60s, and early 70s, frankly they were taking it very seriously oh. this is this is a subject that was being investigated and still is being investigated and the public was fed this line that that we we were basically disinterested in government in the subject of ufo ufos uaps that they were something to be stigmatized and ridiculed where in fact as you and i both know even though the um the Robertson panel, uh, ostensibly was a public investigation set up in 1952 to properly investigate UFOs. Its sole purpose and its stated private purpose was to essentially cover it up and suppress public awareness of the issue.
0: I think we need to give a tip of the microphone to the Freedom of Information Act, uh, here in the United States, which, uh, came about due to certain CIA revelations in the 70s and this legislation allowed it easier for citizens to get at uh, old memos and have them declassified and or redacted and released. So what we learned thanks to FOIA and we are still learning today thanks to FOIA. we learned that while the government was saying one thing it was doing another because i, I encourage people who say well we have, really don't have any evidence or whatever you know some of these documents make it very clear that there was lots of evidence and when people say you know uh show me a great photo and then maybe i'll come around I, let's face it ross coltard and bryce abel do not have great photos sitting on our computers that we can release or we would the people who have the great photos are the have essentially in the past always been the people that collect them because they had military aircraft in the air so if we're going to bridge from history to sort of the world of 2017 what 2017 did as a demarcation line is it said okay um these things that uh, people have been talking about and that we've said we don't care about and because in 1969, the Air Force said, we're not going to look into UFOs anymore because they're not a national security threat. In 2017, uh, the, that New York Times article said that wasn't true, that there was a national security aspect to it and that there were excellent cases that came out of that. And in fact, the New York Times article introduced an entirely new case to the world, which was the Nimitz case of 2004, which has become almost synonymous with the modern day of ufology. I'll let you take that one, Ross. You do a great job with Nimitz. Well, actually, before we get
1: to Nimitz, if we're doing a timeline from the end of the Second World War, I'm having a bit of mischief here, but if we look at the leaked WikiLeaks DNC emails that that show the um, e- exchanges between Tom DeLong and John Podesta, referring to his alleged conversations with a person he called the General uh, and right. people from Lockheed Martin. There's a, there's a date at the end of the Cold War. Let's call it, say, 1989. And the key moment is in those emails, where irrefutably, Tom DeLong who's had definitely conversations with two very senior generals, probably General Neil McCasland and General Michael Carey, sometime around 2015, 2016, he tells Tom DeLong in these leaked emails a life form was discovered that a general told him a life form was discovered and it's funny I I hark on about these uh, leaked DNC emails but a lot of people out there often criticizes for going just on people who make wacky claims on online and people who come out and say they're part of secret space programs and stuff like that and you and I don't give that any currency what we try and look for is sourced material. And this is sourced material. This is a leaked series of emails between Tom DeLong, who for some incredible reason was having extraordinary conversations around about 2015, 2016 with a group of people from the Pentagon and the intelligence community who were willing to discuss with him the potential for disclosure of things relating to UAPs, UFOs. And they told him there were recovered craft and there was a recovered life form and for the life of me that to me is one of the stepping stones in the lead up to the 2017 revelations in the new york times the fact that we now know all of this was going on but As we were just being discussed, we were talking about the Tic Tac incident, which is the videos that were released. uh, At the time that the New York Times did its story, the TTSA organization began the progressive release of three videos, the Tic Tac, the Go Fast, and the Gimbal. And the earliest of those incidents was the 2004 Tic Tac incident involving the USS Nimitz battle carrier battle group just off the um Baja California Mexico coast about a hundred and something miles out to sea and um, basically they saw crazy things on their spy one aegis radar system objects doing things that are still to this day technically impossible on known human technology. And despite what the debunkers say, everybody leaps at the videos and does these exhaustive analysis of these videos and basically says the gimbal wasn't rotating. The tic tac wasn't really going very fast. The simple fact is they're ignoring all the data and what they wrestle with, what what was fantastic about the New York Times stories that were progressively released from 2017, is that they pulled together the data. You had a data stream. You had the, the reference from people who'd worked the radar systems on board the USS Princeton who said that these objects, one in particular, was seen to descend from 80,000 feet or 20,000 feet to the ocean surface in 0.78 of a second. And there's a study that's done by our friends at the um, Scientific Coalition for the Study of UAP that says that on that estimate, given by the radar operators, the objects were moving at least tens of thousands of miles an hour, possibly 105,000 miles an hour, an acceleration force of 12,000 G forces. And if it really was going from a stationary position above 80,000 feet um, uh, to essentially out of sight within a second, as as I think the tic-tac was seen at 25,000 feet and then it zoomed off at a peak velocity, they have estimated that that velocity was 453,000 kilometers an hour. That's 281 miles an hour, 281,000 miles an hour.
0: Ross, I, I of course, am an American who don't understand kilometers, but even an American knows that's pretty damn fast. Now, that's fast enough. In all cases, folks, too, if Ross and I had been inside that tic tac, we would have been splattered all over the inside of it. Um, So, yeah, that's fast. And and the the thing that
1: I I think we've lost sight of the fact, I really think we've lost sight of the fact that those revelations to this day, despite the noble efforts of Mick West and Metabunk and all of the debunkers and skeptics, they still haven't in my view satisfactorily resolved the fact that there is a data stream that comes from that incident right. and all of the other incidents where witnesses who are technical experts are saying they saw things that on known human technology are impossible craft intelligently controlled doing impossible right. things
0: so so let me try to put in context the history to the 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 sort of the fifth anniversary thing. Uh, back in 1947, after those events, there was a general, uh, Nathan Twining, who was asked to look into this. And um, he wrote a report, a memo that went up the chain of command, and it was not shared with the public in the f- 40s or 50s. But Twining said in his memo, uh, the the phenomenon is, not, is something real and is not visionary or fictitious. So he just plain out said it's real now we didn't learn about that until it was released i think it was foia but it might have been another way it came out but that memo came out decades later all right and so the government was perfectly happy to be getting reports through the chain of command in the pentagon but they weren't sharing it with anybody what what happened that is so different the reason that that december 17th is that dividing line is in those years since the government itself well, let me just back up. When we investigated Project Blue Book from 1952 to 1969, that was the Air Force investigation. And their their basic premise was, okay, okay, folks, we'll look into this, even though don't worry about it. It's not a national security issue. And we don't even know if they're real, even though they did know they were real, okay? What's happened in that dividing line is now, that July or June 25th, 19, uh, 2021 report that came out just last year, basically, came out and said, this is real. Same thing that Twining said back in uh, 47, 75 years uh, earlier. So they were admitting finally that it's real and that these things are uh, in many cases gotta be physical, that they're intelligently controlled and they don't think we make them or that China or Russia makes them and they're not drones, all right? So we have made massive progress in that we're at least admitting Uh, what the reality of the situation is. Now, I happen to believe that anyone who has studied this for 75 years, like the U.S. government and our military with the billions and trillions of dollars they've had uh, across the board, given that this was real, they've spent quite a, a large amount of money and time investigating. They just haven't shared their work with us. But that seems to be the motivating factor for why Congress is upset and passing legislation these days to get to the answers. Because I believe it seems like uh, Congress has said, we're not happy that we have not been constitutionally briefed on a matter of this uh, magnitude. And so now they're demanding it. To me, that is, if I had to say, what is the change that makes the most uh, difference? That's it. That now we're saying they're real out loud. And the argument isn't about reality. It's about trying to define what it is. And I think that's a big change.
1: There, there are so many moments that I think mark the progress of admissions and stepping stones, uh, both before and since that epochal 2017 New York Times story. I think one for me was the series of intelligence officials, government officials, who made And I think these have kind of been overlooked, quite extraordinary comments. James Clapper, the former DNI, Defence Director of National Intelligence. Um, I think it's really important, he said, that whenever we witness such phenomena that it's recorded and documented, could there be life out there? Sure. Um, I don't know why we haven't been more transparent about it in the past. Former Director of National Intelligence, John Ratcliffe. There are a lot more sightings than have been made public. We're talking about objects that frankly engage in actions that are difficult to explain, movements that are hard to replicate, that we don't have the technology for, traveling at speeds that exceed the sound barrier without a sonic boom. Sometimes we wonder whether our adversaries have technologies that are a little bit further down the road than we realized. It's not just a pilot or just a satellite or some intelligence collection. We have multiple sensors that are picking up these things. And then one of my personal favorites, which I noticed just recently people are trying to play down, the current director of national intelligence for the United States, the intelligence czar of the United States, Avril Haines. The main issues, she says, that Congress and others have been concerned about is safety of flight concerns and counterintelligence issues. Always there's the question of, is there something else that we simply do not understand? which might come extraterrestrially yeah now i noticed recently the debunkers have basically tried to say oh she was just talking about stuff from outer space not necessarily aliens we're not talking about aliens but she's suggesting the director of national intelligence for the united states is overtly suggesting it might be extraterrestrial. And just right. to round up, my friend, because you quoted from a, a beautiful quote from 1947, my quote from that era that I love, he's one of my heroes, the first director of the CIA, Roscoe Cotter Admiral Roscoe Hillencotter.
0: Roscoe, said, wow. no.
1: Way back then, he said, it is time for the truth to be brought out. Behind the scenes, high-ranking Air Force officers are soberly concerned about UFOs. But through official secrecy and ridicule, many citizens are led to believe the unknown flying objects are nonsense. And that was 70 years ago. 70 years ago, he said that. And they've all been saying the same thing, these people. It's time we knew what they
0: knew. Just I believe Hillen Cotter said that in 1960 after he left uh, office and was working with NIcap. So I don't know what my yeah. math is, but it might be years, less than yeah. 70. yeah, yeah. Um, no, right. hey you know I, because we sort of promised we were going to go down memory lane on this uh, on, on what has happened in the last five years, I thought, uh, also because i'm looking at the time and i know we're long and we've got to start thinking about wrapping up so why don't we each take a crack at just some of our memory lane moments of the last five years i will put 1947 and the 50s and 60s aside uh, um I'll, I'll go first with just some of the thoughts from from those years um uh the to the stars academy big deal tom DeLong turned out to be not just a crazy rock star uh The report of June 25th, 2021, called the Preliminary Report on Unidentified Aerial Phenomena, big deal. Uh, A congressional hearing on May 17th, 2022, this year, uh, where, of course, um, it wasn't the greatest congressional hearing, but it was the first in some 50 years. Uh, The fact that we're supposed to get another one coming up and they're supposed to be delivering a report to us every year on october 31st um here's some other just moments that happened uh in those five years 60 minutes broke its own self-imposed embargo on covering the ufo story and did a major story on uap where elizondo and mellon and others were interviewed uh, harry reid uh, after the article came out and was more uh, uh, outspoken than ever before but In addition to a senator, Harry Reid talking about that, he gave way to other senators like Gillibrand and and Rubio who have talked about it, and even Romney who is very specific. We've heard uh, from uh, pilots, uh, David Fravor, Alex Dietrich, um, and and, and many others, Uh, uh, an incredible film came out, The Phenomenon by James Fox, which I recommend for anyone who wants to tell their friends, just watch this, give it two hours and then we'll talk. Um, All the people that you talked about, Ross, uh, that that have uh, spoken who are uh, in the intel community, a personal uh, one for me is I'm so glad to see that NASA, NASA has actually said they're going to look into this and they're going to get back to us in nine months. Now, I don't know whether they're going to write the most revealing report ever written or not, but for years and years, NASA has said we don't do UFOs. We don't do that we don't talk about that and now of course they've got a leader who is saying that we do talk about it so these things are happening there's there's meetings all over the world going on uh, they just had a meeting in france uh, they, they they've had a big one in in italy recently i mean let's face it uh, th- this is not a a slow moving train anymore it's a faster moving train and i know some people are frustrated like myself that it hasn't got to its destination yet but there's no question to me that that train is moving and it seems to be moving in the right direction. The fact that they're gonna throw a few things on the tracks to stop it or slow it down, well, I expect that, but I, I think the train will still make it to the station
1: there you go bryce you're like my therapist you've cheered me up there i was getting all despondent about whether or not we're actually going to see anything from the congress and you've you've made me optimistic again Uh, there's a few i agreed i agreed with your summary there of the key moments there's a few more i'd like to add because they're just fun my favorite that i think we're going to see a lot more of is slide nine this is the slide that a lot of people have overlooked but I think it's incredibly important, which was obtained from Chris Mellon's website. It was essentially a document that I suspect he'd put on his website for somebody to download and he'd forgotten to take it down. And it basically says, the science exists for an enemy of the United States to manipulate both physical and cognitive environments in order to penetrate US facilities, influence decision makers and compromise national security. It talked about psychotronic weaponry. Penetration of solid surfaces, instantaneous sensor disassembly, alteration and manipulation of biological organisms, anomalies in the space-time construct. Whatever it is, slide nine is referring to something that the Defense Department of the United States is taking extremely seriously indeed. And the government's silence about the implications of this document is deafening. The other thing that I wanted to point to, my friend, is one of my favorite quotes from one of your former presidents, Barack Obama. And Barack Obama actually admitted on television, what is true, and I'm actually being serious here, is that there are, there's footage and records of objects in the skies that we don't know exactly what they are. We can't explain how they moved, their trajectory. They did not have an easily explainable pattern. And so, you know, I think that people still take seriously trying to investigate what that is. It's very, very important concession from a former president who, as oh. you know, gets briefed private briefings. He's entitled to be given the very, very secret, top secret SCI briefings that a president gets and he's getting them. And so is Bill Clinton. And as Bill Clinton said, if we were visited one day, I wouldn't be surprised. I just hope it's not like Independence Day.
0: <laughs> well, I, as, I think we can all uh, agree with the Clinton. I mean, a lot. Of, there are half the people in the country that don't like Bill Clinton, but you got to agree he's right. We all hope at 100% that it's not like Independence Day. Uh, yeah, But the Barack Obama thing is fascinating because, you know, in every other instance he'd ever been asked about it, he seemed to make light of it. He he was dismissed, particularly when he was in office, but even after he got out of office. And something changed this year. This year is when Barack Obama said, I'm going to start talking about the real thing. Um. I got something I just want to float here. It's so out of left field. Are we sort of done with our summation? Can I throw something out? Yeah, I
1: reckon. Yeah, yeah, okay. I reckon we've given ourselves enough room for optimism, my friend.
0: I think so. Um, And by the way, I just want to point one other thing out. I was reading some of the comments on some of our past shows. And because our last one was like two and a half weeks ago, some people were saying, uh, you know, where are these guys? Did somebody shut them down? And and a couple of people were saying, you know, uh, we've been silenced. Because we were speaking too openly. No, we we haven't been silenced. We're just busy, and and we we you know we we're we're committed to a every two weeks kind of podcast. Occasionally, it slips a few days, but we have not. I've not been silenced. Have you been silenced?
1: No, sir. I'm still waiting for those men in black to come in and tell me not to do it. But um, no, no, look, frankly, both you and I, to be honest, we were waiting for the 31st of October report and the report that never came that I suspect may never come. Oh, it's going to come.
0: It's going to come. It's going to come. And I I absolutely think it's coming. And I also... um, uh, I have the October 31st report is what leads me to my crazy idea. I'm just going to float it out there and see if anybody uh, can respond to it. Um, what I thought was going to happen is that they were going to deliver the October 31st report on the day that they said they would. And, and that that was eight days before the election. And I thought if you put out a report about national security that says there are the things flying around and put a little more meat on the bones than the previous report, that might actually get into the election. Uh, because let's face it, the one thing that hasn't really happened is UFOs don't get talked about in a political sense. So here's my idea. Somebody should, uh, in the next year, decide they're going to run for president. And they it'd be great if Gillibrand or Rubio did on this topic, but they probably won't. But somebody should go to New Hampshire and Iowa when these are going to be uh, the states that are the first voting states, And all you have to do, if I'm not mistaken, in in, uh, New Hampshire, is get 5% in the polls uh, in order to be included in the debates. I think someone of some credibility, they don't have to be, you know, they're not going to get elected president, but they could get 5% in the polls in New Hampshire, and they could get included in those presidential debates. And they could talk about this topic with other candidates and force the election to to start talking about this. So that's my idea. Whoever's out there listening to us, who's got the wherewithal to run for president, move to New Hampshire in the next six months and start campaigning. And then we'll get this into debates and we'll move this topic ahead. That's my I
1: I actually I, I want to conclude, my friend, with what I am hearing, which is there are hearings already happening on the Hill there are congressional briefings that are happening that have been happening for some of these very sensitive committees in skiffs uh you know secure compartmentalized information facilities where people can give evidence knowing that they're not being bugged monitored and also, I think we need to acknowledge that there is momentous legislation coming in both the National Defense Authorization uh, Act bill that's before the Congress and also the Intelligence Authorization Act. And put together, if these two pieces of legislation go through the house, as does appear likely, I think. The revelations about UAPs are almost inevitable. My one concern about the legislation is it's very focused on briefing Congress quite properly. It's very focused on making sure that the proper form, the proper transparency has been shown to those congressional oversight committees like the House Intelligence Committee or the, the Armed Services Committee. But it's not stipulating categorically that the public will be informed. Yeah, that's one of the reasons why we call this show "Need to Know." Yeah, because the public needs to know, and I hope well, Congress doesn't forget that.
0: I, listen, here's the thing, Congress. Um, I have I don't begrudge Congress having secret meetings to talk about national security issues, right? Um, I think that what the body politic would like to see happen, though, is an acknowledgement that they are doing that. And, and for us to at least be told, imagine this, I, disclosure, as I've often said, is not like we're going to give a gigabyte drive full of photos and videos to every reporter. That's not going to happen, that disclosure. But I don't think it's wrong to, on an issue of this magnitude that needs to come out because it's been buried for so long, to simply acknowledge the reality of it and say they're not ours and uh, it's another intelligence that's that we're not hundred percent sure where it's from and we're looking into it that's what I expect my government to do I expect your government to do the same thing I expect world governments if we are being visited or there is a a non-human intelligence that's operating in our skies and seas I expect the governments of the world to look into it Uh, to do prudent things, and I don't necessarily expect to be briefed on every single aspect of what planes are seeing what at what time, but I'd like a couple of things. I would like you to admit that that this is real and you are looking into it, and I would like a couple of good photos and a video. That would make me happy. I would call that the Christmas present of all time, and I would have a wonderful holiday. I don't think it's going to happen, but it ought to happen.
1: Uh, look i've got faith in the capacity of congress to leak i mean even the incredible church committee hearings that took place a lot of them in secret in the 1970s investigating the alleged crimes of the cia after watergate A lot of that information eventually leaked, even though it was disclosed in confidence in some of the committees. A lot of it was done in public, but there was some really embarrassing stuff that finally made it out into the public arena. What I understand is happening is if there is recovered technology, if it really is the case that the United States, as we've been led to believe, is sitting on recovered technology, as by the way, the New York Times reported in 2020, the world's yeah. you know, the, the nation's most illustrious newspaper has put it on record that there are people saying that the US has recovered alien craft, which was another big event in the in the history that we overlooked. If that's the case, I can understand why there's a willingness to suppress that knowledge. Because frankly, if you can master the technology behind those craft, if you can if you can find out how to derive awesome energy. If you can find out how to develop extraordinary propulsion systems, weapons, you would want to keep that secret. But I don't think that the American government is being honest with the people if it continues to try to suppress its knowledge of what it does know about the UAP mystery.
0: So let's wrap up with one thought. You brought it up just now, crash wreckage. When I was a kid, I. I read stories about crash saucers and I remember uh, thinking, well, that's insane, but that's sure fun to read about, but it couldn't possibly be happening, right? Uh, And now we're hearing from very credible people, uh, both you and I and many other people have heard it, that crash, and Lou Elizondo has said it, that crash wreckage is definitely on the table. So probably in the next year or two or three, uh, crash wreckage is out there. We're gonna be looking into it and uh, let's face it, Uh, that's not a smoking gun, that's a smoking howitzer. And uh, it'll be fascinating when that happens. But like I said, hasn't happened yet, it's going to happen in the future, which is why, Ross, you and I are going to have to keep doing the show.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. Well, I don't want to stop. It's fun. I mean, the thing that really astonishes me about this is, here I am, I'm a mainstream news reporter, television public affairs reporter, And it just amazes me because I've been given the privilege by the network I do work for in Australia to be able to do some digging into the UAP issue. And i just look over my shoulder all the time and go where's the rest of the media why aren't they chasing the story it's the biggest story ever as i said at the head of the program and we are looking at momentous legislation coming down the track with the defense authorization act i mean we are we are seeing an accounting of all uap activity the legislation wants information on all uap logged outside the last year as well, they want a full accounting to the Congress, formal analyses of those account of those encounters, signals intelligence, geospatial intelligence, human intelligence, signals intelligence. It's actually quite amazing. As Billy wow. Cox wrote in a brilliant column recently, you know. Uh, the gatekeepers might start vomiting in their skiffs over the next provision which is that congress is demanding an enumeration of any instances in which data relating to ufos was not provided to the odni because of classification restrictions on that data this is on the record if it goes through this legislation is momentous and there are grounds for optimism. And full credit, frankly, to the people who've pushed for this legislation to come through, like Lou Elizondo, Chris Mellon. No matter what people choose to say about them and disparage them online, they're following through with what they pledged they were going to do.
0: You know, Ross, I think a good place to leave this is with the moment of zen that you have just laid out for us. So folks, if you're listening, Ross just said it, here's your moment of zen. I want you to think about this for a moment gatekeepers vomiting in their skiffs. I mean, (laughs) wow gatekeepers vomit that's the title of my next screenplay by the way ross it's going to be called gatekeepers vomiting in i think it'll be a big hit uh listen folks uh it's it's been always fun to do this ross uh you're my you're my uh furthest away best friend i really love doing this and for you folks at home i i end as i always do and i say we can handle the truth people get ready
1: because we need to know